What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. And welcome to episode 170 and the season four premiere of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. I am thrilled and honored to be finally back in your ears as we're talking about your food peace journey and complicated relationship with food. It's been a nice break. I've had a few changes. I actually moved my office. So I have um, a new, I guess, recording studio, if you want to call it that. But I am now recording my podcast in a different location, which is in downtown Greensboro, North Carolina. It is so cute and quaint. I'm also really close to a train track. So I'm trying to learn the schedule so you don't have to hear a train a lot. But alas, it may just become part of the culture of the show. I'm going to go with it. If you are new to the Love Food Podcast, I want to fill in for you how we set up the show. So we have letters that are written to food. Yes, food. People who have a complicated relationship with food that are listeners just like you write a letter to food and they detail their very complicated relationship, hoping to rewrite their fate. And then me and sometimes a guest, well, we explore different options. And then at the end of the show, food writes back. And today's show, we have a letter from someone who feels like they just cannot resist food around them. They feel so tied to food and so distracted from food. And part of the reason why they have so much awareness as a why is they have experienced so many really, really hard things in life that have led to this twisted, complicated 
relationship with food. And I wanted to give you a content warning. This person is talking about their eating disorder behaviors and also sexual assault. So I just want to let you know that so you can decide if you actually want to listen to the rest of the show. But before we get to this show's letter, I want to let you know about a really cool new project that I've been dying to share with you. It's called the After the Letters Project. So many of you have been so sweet and kind and let me know how much you're benefiting from the show. Those notes, by the way, just totally mean so much to me and my own like life experience. So thank you. And so many of you said, you know, I've subscribed to the show. I share the show. I listen to all the episodes, but how can I support the show? And I haven't really had a way besides just subscribing and sharing the episode, but I have a way now. And by supporting the show. I hope it also further serves you. So I have decided that I'm not going to have a sponsor on the show. And I don't know if you know this, but I've been approached by many sponsors. And most of the time, people who want to sponsor a show that has food in the title, well, they sell food or food product or really when it comes down to it, a way to contribute to diet culture. And, you know, we're not about that here. That is not about the Love Food Podcast. That does not fit what we were trying to do. And so for years, I've been trying to find just the right sponsor and I haven't found it. And you know what? I've decided it's just not going to be the way to sustain the show. And there is an expense that comes with the show. And it also, besides the expenses that come with it, it also takes time out of my week where I could be seeing clients and making income. And so what I decided to do instead of looking for a sponsor is to set up a Patreon account. And with the Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash lovefoodpodcast, you will see many different ways, they call them tiers, to support the show through monthly contribution. You can also just um, donate any kind of money just one time to support the show. And what that will do is allow me to financially be able to, to pay some of the fees that I need just to have the show be live every week. And um, a part of the, the the tiers, one of them is called After the Letters Project. And After the Letters means is like after we go through this really complicated relationship with food that you're experiencing with the letter, well, there's other questions. Sometimes we need to dig deeper. And many of you have other kind of questions that come up from each show. So the After the Letters Project, which can be found on that Patreon page, is a way for us to do just that, to dive deeper and have weekly mini episodes exploring your questions about food, body, diet culture, moving away from diets and weight and all that stuff. Um, You can find that on the After the Letters Project. So the way to check out the details is patreon.com slash lovefoodpodcast. And the After the Letters Project is $29 a month. And by doing that, not only will you get weekly mini episodes, but you'll also be supporting the show to help it be sustainable for me um, for years and years and years. So if you financially cannot do this, please do not financially put yourself in a place where it's going to make finances worse. I that would make me sad. That's not what I really am looking for. So only if you financially are able to give, um, I welcome that opportunity. If you cannot financially provide um, assistance to support the show, you know, subscribing, leaving a rating or review, doing any of those acts of kindness really do help. It helps more people find the show when they search the iTunes algorithm. So just know that you can still do your part in that way. 
So as I'm recording this, I just set up the Patreon account and I have zero, <laughs> I have zero um, supporters or whatever Patreon or patrons. Um, and so I feel a little weird about it, but I also know that that's okay. So I look forward to anybody who is um, ready and willing to subscribe and to financially support the show. I really, really appreciate it. And you know what? Enough of all that. Let's go ahead and get to this episode's letter and start season four of the Love Food Podcast. Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a 3-in-1 capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Dear Food, I don't really know exactly when my relationship became complicated with you or quite how it came to control my life. I remember when I was in my early teens, being the one to say diets are bullshit and not thinking about what I ate. Being anti-diet culture was practically a part of my identity and such is where my values sit today. But I live in complete contradiction. At some point in my teens, I started restricting and using my vegetarianism to always choose a salad option at school. But it wasn't controlling. It wasn't overwhelming. It felt more like a natural reaction to being at an all-girls school in a society that we live in, an image-based thing. 
Sometimes it was reactionary, in spite of my well-meaning mother, who would always tell me that soup is a starter, not a meal, and check if I was eating enough, despite her smaller portions. I later learned she had a struggle with anorexia for years and would still struggle to eat in times of stress. I developed anxiety and depression by age 16, which ruled and ruined my sixth form life. Perhaps it was the exam stress, the family troubles, growing up with a drug abusing brother who was in and out of school, in and out of home, in and out of hospital, not that I was always told straight away. We had a complex relationship with my father who always vied for my brother's attention and allegiance against my mother. I tried to always be neutral, always loving of all parties because I was and couldn't not be. But with this came a lot of pain, a lot of confusion, and the earnest desire to always tread this precarious and often punishing line. Of course, when I couldn't and can't today, there is guilt. I was a straight-A student until the slump during my sixth form years when my energy broke and I scraped my way through the last two years. I used to be, and still feel like I should be, the person who was able to succeed at anything and everything without dropping the ball. But suddenly, I could do nothing and have struggled ever since. Around this time, I realized there was probably something wrong, a cause. Through an explosive conversation with my mother, I was pushed to a consultation with a therapist and given the diagnosis— anxiety, and depression, but didn't receive further help. In my first year of uni, I tried to access help myself, but was turned away by the uni counseling services after a few sessions, saying they didn't know how to help me as I had already thought everything through so much myself. It was in this year I had a few episodes of binging and purging. This continued around occasional periods of stress, such as exams, but not as a regular method of coping. In second year, my mental health worsened. Restricting, binging, and purging became a secret indulgence, but never something I saw as a problem as as it was so sporadic. I had difficult relationships with my flatmates, though I had stronger friendships elsewhere. I felt alone. I became so ill I had to defer my exams. I worked towards the end of the summer session, hoping I could somehow manage, but two weeks before I was due to take them, I was raped. Utterly broken, I moved back in with my parents for a few months during which time I tried to use food to console myself while I tried to process what happened. But when a close family member was admitted to a hospital with terminal cancer, I began majorly restricting. When they passed away and my family fell apart, I moved back to my uni town and started a new job, trying to get my life back on track. Pretty much all the friends I thought I had were no longer there for me. I managed to access CBT, or Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, for nine weeks, but developed bulimia in a drastic way, binging and purging at least three times in a day and losing X amount in a month. This continued through another exam deferral and another. I fought for a year to access treatment, being passed from waiting list to waiting list, rejected for being too symptomatic, too complicated, or not fitting criteria. Along the way, I met someone who truly loves me and cares for me and helps me through these struggles. When I'm with them, I eat normally and don't purge, but find myself in tears most evenings because of food. My weight is stable at a healthy BMI, but I am miserable in my skin, mentally exhausted and absolutely terrified of this relationship with food that dominates my life. I cannot help food around me and resist it regardless of whether I'm hungry. I'm so anxious about when I might need to eat 
that I am constantly aware of hunger and I cannot discern the emotional from the physical. I know I use binging and purging as both a means of occupying myself when I'm alone, as an emotional control, and as a form of self-harm. And what started as a tool has grown like a weed to something that I am constantly aware of and bothers me even when I am happiest. I love to cook and often cook with my boyfriend, but cannot enjoy a meal without resenting myself and being overwhelmed with frustration as a result. In a month, I will finally be starting treatment, psychotherapy with a trauma focus, but I'm worried about managing my relationship with food during this time, as I know it will be a gradual process and not the focus of my treatment. Additional private treatment isn't easily an option for me. I'm also worried about the strain I place on my boyfriend, who is always there for me, but who cannot fight the battle for me, no matter how much he may want to try. I'm trying to keep the willpower to fight for myself, to maintain the relationships I have left, and succeed in my final chance to pass these exams in just a few months. I desperately need peace with you, food, so that I can have more energy to make peace elsewhere in my life. Yours, terrified and pleading for a truce. Hey there, letter writer. What an honor to have the chance to explore your complicated relationship with food and your body. And uh, again, it's just an honor to see if there's a way that I can help you along your journey. So thank you. And, you know, reading your letter, I just want to name a few of the parts that I think are contributing to this really, really tough spot. Of course, there's genetics. You mentioned your mom has struggled with an eating disorder. And one thing we know about eating disorder experiences is that they're quite tied to genetics along with other psychosocial kind of experiences. And along the way in your family dynamics, you also were neglected. I'll explore more of that in a second. And lastly, the trauma. You know, there was that really big trauma, the the sexual assault, the rape that you mentioned, but there was also other traumas that you experienced along the way, even while seeking treatment for the very thing that you were wanting to like work through, you experienced trauma as well. And I think that has led to this really intense, complicated journey for you. And I look forward to exploring a different route, a different map, something to help you navigate what you basically are, where you have found yourself. So first up, when you were a kid, from reading your letter, I basically gathered that you weren't able to be a kid. You were someone that had to be the peacemaker. You had to make sure that the boat didn't rock too violently and that you didn't really acknowledge many needs in order to everybody else just be able to go with the flow and get through things because there was just so many tough things going on. And that's not okay. You know, you weren't able to have a childhood. You weren't able to be nurtured and comforted as much as you needed. And I don't know if that's surprising to you or if it's not, but it certainly is a really common experience for those of us who've been brought up around addiction and um, people in our family who are experiencing mental illness. It's a really common experience for someone, at least one person in the family, to be the person that's job is to keep everything together. And I have a feeling things like perfectionism developed as a skill in that way. 
Because if you got straight A's and you did really well, well, then it was just something for everyone to be happy about or at least not worry about. And in a sense, you did a very good job. But by doing a very good job, you also didn't get a chance to experience childlike failures, you know, normal falling in our face and, you know, having someone to help you up and nurture you and comfort you to help you just to learn. And um, I wonder if that's what makes this even harder for you. I have a feeling when you are taken care of or when you're supported, it feels abnormal or even maybe wrong. And um, I just wanted to point that out. I think that's something that's a, a part of many people's healing journey. And um, as you're working through the trauma work, um, I have a feeling that it's going to come up. And so as you're connecting with this therapist and um, doing the work, if it does feel abnormal, I would say, just say, I'm, I was looking for you. I was ready to, to know that this was going to feel weird, but it also is what I need. So I wanted to move on to the many traumas that you mentioned, and of course, especially being raped. And, you know, there's going to be someone listening, letter writer, who's experienced this too. And so for you, the listener who has been violated in sexual assault and and any kind of other way where you were violated and um, your body was not respected, I'm so sorry. And that is something that I can appreciate for you, letter writer, and probably for many people listening. That's where your genetics for the eating disorder, even though they were already brewing, it really, really wanted to take over and help you to just cope, cope with this tremendous assault. And um, I know it sounds really strange. I know it's going to sound really weird and maybe even the opposite of what you'd think I'd say, but... I appreciate that the binging, the restricting, the purging, any of the behaviors that you or anyone listening experiences in, re- in reaction to any kind of trauma or neglect is serving a purpose. It's trying to meet an unmet need. And in a way, I appreciate them. I appreciate those behaviors because it's helped you and many people that I know and love to survive these traumas. And you mentioned it's growing like a weed, which... In a way, I feel like it's the metaphor of maybe you have, because of your tremendous awareness, have acknowledged that it's not serving you anymore. And you're ready to find other ways to live your life and experience food. And, you know, the thing about food, the thing I mentioned a lot and love food over the years, is that our relationship with food is a mirror for how we're relating to other people. And hearing about this newer relationship that you have with your boyfriend, you know, it really warms my heart and makes me feel hopeful. And, you know, it's because it tells me that you're learning how to connect and connect in a way that is healthy and um, serves you and is nurturing. And I have a feeling that's why now the eating disorder is really labeled as this weed because it's not serving in you anymore because you are finding other sustainable ways to connect in the world. So I look forward to you finding new tools besides your boyfriend, because, you know, like you mentioned, you don't want to just have that one person be the way you cope. As time moves on and as the weed gets cut down and put in maybe a compost bin or something, you know, serves a different purpose, um, 
because I really do feel like it had a purpose and it's going to inform your life. Um, so I picture it in a compost bin, you know, fueling some crops later on. But as you do that, it'll leave you room for more relationships and more connections. And so your relationship with food, as you have more connections, will naturally be able to have a different type of relationship. It'll look different. Along those lines, you mentioned that you love to cook. And when I hear about someone loving to cook, what I think about is cooking as a way to nurture and take care of someone. So I wasn't surprised that you love to cook because of your role in your family of origin. So my question for you, letter writer, and anyone listening who also loves to cook and has a complicated relationship with food is, do you allow other people to cook for you? Do you allow other people to prepare a simple or extravagant meal? Do you let other people set the table, clear the table, buy the groceries? Do you let other people take care of you and nurture you with food? And if you have, then I think that's a really mighty step forward. If you haven't, I would encourage you to explore that when you're ready. It will feel weird. It'll feel abnormal. It may even feel immoral, but it's a way for you to get your needs met, to get the nurturing that you missed out on as a child. So I don't want to come across as totally Pollyanna about things because you know, your relationship with food has a really complicated and dark spot to it or many spots to it. And I don't mean to brush it over when I say this next thing, but I want to acknowledge letter writer, you sound like a kick-ass person. You sound like you have so many strengths. It's almost bringing me to tears right now because I'm just blown away by what you've been able to do with access to so little. And you know, you have this persistence, even though you were experiencing trauma after trauma by trying to seek out to get help and being like, I know they didn't want to come across as rejecting you, but you were being rejected by treatment centers and treatment providers and you still persisted. And that to me is a sign of like this amazing strength. And I am so glad that the eating disorder hasn't robbed that of you. And that is something that I encourage you to lean into. And I cannot wait for the world to connect more with that strength of yours because we need persistence. And um, yeah, we need you in order to help make this world better. And, you know, leaning into that strength is something that I just can't wait to see what you're able to do with it. And besides that, you know, being aware of resisting big, huge systemic cultural oppression is just so mind-blowing to me that as a young person, you already identified something like diet culture and you already called out its bullshit and were able to name it. I have a sense you're a feminist and um, which, you know, personally, I just think that's awesome, but also as another strength. And so I encourage you as you're doing this trauma work to lean into that awareness and that persistence. It's really going to help you as you do the tough work. And you know, you're right. As you do the trauma work, as you dive deep, and as you get to the layers of the trauma work, you will notice that your behaviors will feel more intense. It may feel like that weed is choking you. 
that is totally to be expected. It is totally to be expected because again, the way your brain genetically is wired and the way that your uh, body and mind have survived all these traumas is through the eating disorder. And so as the trauma is being exposed and as it's raw and and trying to heal, it's naturally just going to want to go to those spots. It's like this big super highway that naturally just is straight and direct to that. And as you're making new roads, you know, maybe getting a machete out and carving out some new roads, um, it's going to want to go naturally back to that super highway. And I hope you can be patient and gentle with yourself and rely on your treatment provider that you have found that helps you to do the trauma work. And I wonder if you have access to a dietitian or someone who really understands eating disorders in some way. If you do have access to someone that is a dietitian that's experienced eating disorders, I highly recommend it. And in particular, I would encourage you to find a weight inclusive or a health at every size dietitian. And here's why. You mentioned in your letter that you are at quote, a normal BMI. And I put quotes around it because I just wonder, you know, I wonder what weight your body wants to be at. And a lot of times people will feel like, well, this is a normal weight. This is a weight that a doctor is not going to be concerned about. Yet for most of us, our bodies don't want to be at a BMI of 20 to 25. That is, and especially we don't want to stay the same weight forever. Um, It's really normal for people who need to be at a higher weight to still experience eating disorder behaviors and feel really chaotic around food when their body's malnourished. Even if they're like, I'm at a normal BMI, I'm not malnourished. Yes, you're still malnourished. So I have a feeling part of the craving to eat and the inability to stop, not only is it the eating disorder behaviors, but I have a feeling it's malnutrition. It's your physiology. It's your body trying to still heal. And that takes so much time. And I hope there's a way that you can find the support you need to allow your body to heal, not only emotionally, but physically. And that may include weight gain. And that's a good thing. Our world does not really encourage weight gain as a positive, but it is a positive for sure. It's something that would allow your biochemistry and your body just to be able to recover. And When a body has enough food for a long enough time, which is so ambiguous, but it's ambiguous for a reason because I have no idea. Only you and your body will know. But when your body has enough food for a long enough time and has permission to eat as much as it needs, unconditional permission, that's when the drive or that kind of, I can't resist that that kind of um, experience starts to feel like the weed is loosening its grip, that the weed is no longer being fed. It'll feel more like um, you're in charge or you're affirming your own food choices instead of something else controlling it. So it's eating enough for a long enough time with permission. Those are the necessary ingredients. I'm rooting for you, letter writer. I am. And I see food is written back. So I need to get going, but keep in touch. Let us know how things are going. And I just cannot wait to hear the next steps for you. So before we get to Food's Letter, a big, big thank you for all of you listening today and supporting the Love Food Podcast as it starts season four. If you're looking for another way to support the show besides leaving a rating or review, check out the After the Letters Project. 
It's on Patreon at patreon.com slash lovefoodpodcast. There are many different ways you can give, and there's a $29 a month option that gives you access to mini episodes weekly, and I cannot wait for you to join me there. So until next time, take care. Dear Terrified and Pleading for a Truce, it's tough for us to know how things ended up this way. We blame culture, genetics, neglect, and those who have violated you. That wasn't right. That was not okay. We are so very sorry. With all this, we've tried to help fill in the space life has taken away or not provided. We have tried to soothe you, nurture you, protect you. The behaviors that have tried to provide no longer serve you. Relationships and connection will be the true healers. Try not to resist us. Practice permission, unconditional permission to eat enough. You're a kick-ass person. The world is lucky to have you in it. We can't wait for you to appreciate this too. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.